Hello and welcome to the next episode of Series 2 of Working It Out, a podcast series from Advanced. I'm Louise Minchin and I'm being joined by industry experts, academics and business leaders throughout the series as they give their take on business leadership and the challenges facing us today. The question of how to harness the power and knowledge within a business workforce and apply it to make that organisation as productive as possible is an ever-abounding one. Leaders seek ways to bring the best out of their teams, but how is this best measured? And what is the key to developing employees so they become the best that they can be? As we head into the beginnings of recession and face a very uncertain economic climate, there's decreasing room for error in business and leaders will be under pressure to deliver results against a difficult backdrop. In this episode, we're looking at the importance of performance management. I hear you groan. Perhaps I don't. But anyway, that is going to be the tone of this podcast, how this has changed and discussing how modern performance management approaches can transform a business's productivity. My guest today is Nick Gallimore, Innovation Director at Advanced. Welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. And I put on that groan when I said performance management, only because I've got my own experience of performance management. I imagine you do have too. Um, it's not something we think fondly of, is it? No, not at all, Louise. And thank you very much for having me today. And uh, actually, you know, kind of interestingly enough, those personal experiences are, quite frankly, where my uh, interest in the concept of, of performance management comes from. Um, it, it, I completely agree with your initial groan, I guess, and I would imagine most of the people listening do do too. It's not something um, many of us think fondly of. So why is that? Because, you know, the, presumably the goal is to make things better, both for the employer, the employee and the business. So where, what are your examples of why and what's going wrong? Well, I think it's interesting. So, you know, the, the reality is when we think about performance management, we say those words, we elicit that groan, we're thinking around, uh, you know, the kind of things that, 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 that we think about are these annual exercises where we are uh, forced into completing some, some pieces of paper, we're forced into maybe creating some objectives, and then we're subjected to one of these performance reviews, we're probably given a score um, out of three or five or whatever. And I remember my, you know, my very first experience of this coming out of university. I was, you know, pretty uh, kind of fresh faced, uh, and I went to work for a recruitment company. Had a great time. I had a particularly good start to my career. I was, I was hitting, I was hitting my performance targets, and I had my first annual review. And I had some fairly lofty expectations. Well, I say lofty. I had some expectations that this would be an opportunity for me to understand how to get better. And I was interested. I think most people are interested in how to get better. But actually, the, the, the one thing that I remember from this experience was the only personal development objective I was set at the time, which despite all of my output, my, uh, the, 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 the objective I was set was to be less scruffy. <gasps> Bearing in mind, I was in, a, uh, I was in a, a, um, a kind of phone-based role. I was never in front of a customer. So, you know, I found this... Um, I found this a little bit offensive. Do you know what? I just, I'm watching your body language. I wish you could see this. Everybody listening to this podcast, you could say, say, say that. I mean, presumably this is some years ago. I'm watching your body language. I can see that still hurts. I've carried it with me throughout my career. It's, it's, and it's become a, you know, a, something that I, I, I don't say I obsess about, but I'm very aware of. People think I'm scruffy, even from this first piece of feedback. And to be honest with you, it, it wasn't 
I don't think the, my manager at the time meant it in a. I, I think they they probably thought you know, compared to everybody else in the office, you're not you're not wearing a tie or you're not you know whatever that was. But anyway, so this was my first example, my first experience of performance management, and and with a background uh, or an interest that I've got or certainly had when I was younger in in sports and 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 being trying to be a sports person, I was very very up for this idea that my performance matters and I'd like to know how to get better. Partly that first piece of feedback, be less scruffy. I've I've kind of, I've I've tried to almost deliberately ignore it throughout my career. (laughs) Do you want to describe for for everybody what you're wearing today? Well, I I think, well, I don't know. I probably look a bit scruffy. I'm wearing a hoodie, you know, I'm I'm very, you know, we're, you know, we're at home. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah. I just want to um, share with everybody as well, because I think um, hearing your story, we will all remember the bits that hurt and they are so unhelpful. So mine was, um, I was, it was a very long time ago and it wasn't on BBC Breakfast to be really clear. Um, And I was working in a newsroom and I'd just done my first kind of, one of my first shifts actually as a presenter. Um, And I was obviously super nervous. You know, it's a big test for me. It was on telly and we'd had a really busy day, massive breaking news and, you know, I'd kept calm and I'd informed the audience and I'd done all, you know, I think I'd done a good job, right? Um, And I came off and my manager said to me, and I laugh, it's not funny at all. He said, I said, so was that okay? And he goes, yeah, um, well, I mean, I didn't like your lipstick. And again, it's like, that has nothing to do what you were wearing and my lipstick has nothing to do with how either of us were performing our job. I mean, you could argue maybe it was distracting, but to say to me, a young journalist in my first opportunity was, it was apps. And I was just like, well, why didn't you tell me when I went on? Because, it, you know, wearing the wrong lipstick or the lipstick that's too whatever is eminently fixable. Anyway, so so we've both got our own experiences and I imagine people listening have their own experiences. So, I mean, this to me seems like it could actually be more damaging than actually useful. What's your assessment of of how this, what it does for businesses? Well, I think the that classic approach to performance management that classic kind of form-based um everyone's going to go through this exercise definitely risks being counterproductive i've got yeah. a story you've got a story uh, i you know i speak to hundreds of people every week about this pretty much everybody's got a horror story of a specific journey through this forced exercise which they retain which they that they they found demotivational at the time you know, one thing that's pretty obvious when you really get into thinking about performance at work, and and I'm this is something I'm really passionate about. But when you get into the the details, one thing that's very very obvious is that most traditional approaches to thinking about performance actually have no impact on someone's performance. Certainly, no positive impact. Which always makes me ask the question of what is the point of this kind of forced in some places, forced corporate ritual that we put ourselves through that that we don't like, managers don't like, leaders don't like, but we carry on doing it anyway. So yeah, there's an absolute risk of it being counterproductive, but for, for sure, it's it mostly it's not productive. And let's talk about um, how counterproductive it can be, because I mean, what's, you know, w- you know, we're talking, we're, we're both still devastated by that. But presumably that's, you know, you know, you mentioned demotivational there for staff. So it could have actually a sort of bigger impact than you even think oh no com- completely I mean you know if you if, if you think for a minute about how much time energy and ultimately money 
you know, how much payroll, for want of a better term, goes into this process as well of the these you know annual fixed processes, and even if even if there, there is no negative outcome, let's just imagine that everybody comes through this process and nobody gets called scruffy or no one's lipstick gets commented on. Nobody's bruised then. Nobody's ego is bruised, let's say. Even if there's no positive outcome, actually the reality is, if you think about the, the hours that are spent in these meetings, in filling in forms, and the hours that are then spent um, chasing the, that process around the business, in reality what we know, and it, this, the science is pretty clear on this, is that most of the time it has no positive impact on anything. So you're you're pretty uh, you're pretty clear um, about what you think about those kind of annual, as you call them, rituals and tick box exercises. So what's your advice? Scrap it, or what would you? Because you know, people, it's not like they're wanting to do it to make it worse, is it? Either. Ultimately, the science on this is really clear and it's really uncontroversial. So the science of the ultimate question that we're asking, which is, as an individual at work, how can I perform better? Science is actually very clear on what what that comes from, and it comes from 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 four things comes from goal setting meaningful goal setting so we as individuals create and interact with a set of goals it comes from good quality real-time feedback not not stored up for the end of the year not pointless feedback but good quality feedback in the moment preferably um, and it comes from coaching uh, so having access to a coach uh, and and the fourth thing which isn't really a thing that we engage with but it needs to apply is that we need a a, a separate process for rating or kind of appraising us so the science is very clear, kind of how that's been translated into these traditional performance management processes is into a, a kind of forced cycle. Back to the question, I mean, fundamentally, one of the first things that, that an organisation could do, particularly in the times that we're in now, heading into a recession, when surely organisationally performance and productivity of our people is the number one objective, one of the things they could do is stop doing performance management and, and stop doing these forced corporate rituals and instead focus on well actually how do we get people to interact more meaningfully with those um i call them uh the performance behaviors so goal setting feedback and coaching how do we actually get how do we actually make that easy for people uh, as opposed to and, and make it something that they're going to be interested in as opposed to force them to go and do it in this in this ritualistic way um, tell me about the goal setting. So, I mean, it's very sort of familiar to me from what you're saying, actually. I do this in sport. So I've set a goal. I'm not sure I want to say it, but that, one of the things about goal setting is to say, it, not it, to run the London Marathon, right, in April. Um, so it sounds very familiar to me how you might approach a sporting event or something like that, for example. Yeah, and, and, and actually, the, the, so the science of performance is pretty consistent across multiple formats. And interestingly, sports is a really interesting example because most people have a either a, a kind of explicit or implicit knowledge of how to improve their sports performance. Running is my favourite example. Um, I'm a keen runner myself. Do you do marathons? I have done the London Marathon, yeah. Right, OK. I won't tell okay. you how fast because I don't want to create no, competitive no, spirit. No, because it can be <laughs> negative. <laughs> it's a, you'll, have, you'll, have a, you'll have a great day, Louise. It's yeah. genuinely one of the best things you'll do. But anyway, um, most of us know, but if I want to get better at running... Yeah. There, uh, it starts with, as you said, it starts with setting a goal. You're not going to, if you don't have a goal to go and get faster or run longer or whatever that, you know, you know, that is, it's far less likely to happen. We all know that, but not just setting a goal, but meaningfully caring about nurturing and interacting with that goal. Equally, the concept of feedback in sports is slightly different because in sports, mm -hmm. it's about practice. So practice is the kind of 
the feedback, if you like, of the sports world. You, every time you go running, you get some feedback. How am I doing? How was that run? What went well? What didn't go well? And it's in the moment. So again, that's, I think, something that most people would understand. And equally, obviously, coaching. Coaching is so intrinsic to sports performance that it's its own profession with its own set of standards and if you really want to drive a performance improvement in sports whether you're a professional or just setting out being coached is generally accepted as uh you know the way to do that so that is it's not fundamentally different but what and most people are, are quite happy to engage with and interested to engage with those concepts outside of work mm. but for some reason um we've developed this approach in our organizations of of making it as uncomfortable and as difficult as possible to engage with those behaviors. Let's talk about um, goal setting. So in an ideal scenario from what you're talking about, would it be goal setting? Because obviously there are business goals, which are hugely important to everybody listening to this podcast. And also there's personal goals as well. So is it a mixture of both? Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, performing at work, slightly different to the concept of, of results, but performance is one of the things that contributes to your results, mm-hmm. the results that the organization clearly are going to care about relate to their organizational goals. You can have a personal goal that has absolutely nothing to do with um, the organization's results, but nevertheless helps you improve better. Maybe it's you have a personal interest or passion for learning a certain topic that, that might have an impact at work. But clearly some of your goals um, in the, the classic performance sense at work need to be aligned to what it is the organization wants you to achieve in the first place and funnily enough actually again in 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 the traditional sense that's not always a good a clear starting point for people organizations are not always very good at saying here are the results that we need to achieve and um from from at the departmental level here are the the objectives or the results that we, we that we need a particular team or individual to focus on but yeah it's absolutely a mixture of both it, it and and i believe all of these things apply at work they apply at home they they apply you know in in all walks of life i'm interested in um what you said so then we go to um real time feedback um and then an ideal scenario who is that from is that from yourself judging yourself also your manager and who does it good question it's often again if you think about the traditional process it's often yeah, your, it's, it's, it's nearly always your manager and yeah. if your manager sits next to you and watches you work all day then um and they and they're good at writing that feedback down and documenting it and remembering it then that maybe that's a, a, a good source but actually in reality many of us interact with multiple stakeholders and people every single day Um, And actually, a lot of the time, and this is particularly acute since we all started working from home, your manager doesn't sit there watching you do your work all the time. So ideally, real time feedback should come from people who actually see you doing the work, Uh, you know, Mm. the people that you're interacting with, your customers, your peers, uh, the people who who you manage if you're a manager from, again, taking it outside work, the people that you train with, your your kind of members of clubs, um, your, your coach. And and uh, that you know really good quality feedback comes from multiple sources. It's a mixture of good feedback to tell you what you did well. Critically, it involves good quality constructive feedback, so critique what what you could do better. And and that 
real time in the moment is really important. So for, back to your lipstick example, wouldn't it have been better? I mean, it's terrible feedback, right? But it'd be better beforehand, not after. It would have been fine in the first five minutes, not after three hours when it was over. This is absolutely right. I was just thinking, so somebody might put down a phone call. You might have overheard the phone call, for example, and you go, gosh, you totally nailed that. Or maybe next time you should have you could have said this or whatever, you know, because there'll be lots of multiple things going on in everybody's daily working life. Well, if yeah, it, no, exactly. And if you think about the amount of opportunities we all have to receive feedback that are missed, to that example, you've just come off a phone call and perhaps you didn't realise it, but you sounded really rude. You were far too pushy. And uh, it's pretty obvious to the person who was sat next to you that that was the wrong approach. If they choose not to give you that feedback, you imagine all of those moments, those incremental moments over the, over someone's life where people haven't given you feedback, how much longer, therefore, it takes you to realise, well, actually, I'm far too rude on the phone, and how much quicker you could have come to that learning point if, if you just had access to better quality, more frequent feedback. Yeah. And, and, and likewise, positive feedback as well, equally. Gosh, you totally, that was, you were charming. My goodness, didn't think you'd get that out. Whatever. I can imagine. I'm, I'm tempting my own scenarios here. Um, that sort of leads on to the next thing, doesn't it? Coaching, because it sounds like the people giving you feedback are also coach, coaching you as well, aren't they? But are you talking about sort of formal coaching? Not necessarily. So coaching, you know, the minute you say the word coaching, it sounds, again, I think partly because we associate coaching with this concept of sports where a coach is a qualified person. Coaching doesn't need to be difficult. Coaching can be as straightforward and as simple as good quality, honest conversations, particularly at work with your manager. But good, really good quality conversations that are open, honest, transparent, there are, you know, they're about how you feel. They're about how you're getting on. That they're about the things that are uh, challenging you. If you think about the kind of conversations that you have in a formal performance management process that we talked about earlier on, generally speaking, one of the biggest problems that you have is that those um, conversations are some way linked to an outcome. So I'll give you an example. If you go into a performance review conversation knowing that at the end of that conversation, you're going to be given a score out of five or whatever scale you're using. And that might be linked to your pay or your bonus achievement. And your manager sits down with you and says, hey, how are you doing? And actually, the reality is you're really struggling. You've got challenges at home. Things aren't going very, you know, they're not going well at work. You're stuck. You can't get some, you're struggling to collaborate with someone that you need to collaborate with. You're far less likely in that scenario to say the thing that you need to say, which is, do you know what? I need help. And you're far more likely instead to paint a picture of everything's great, I'm doing fine, smashing my objectives, don't worry about me, I'll have my four out of five, please. And you, again, it's a missed opportunity for genuine coaching. And, and coaching can be as, as simple as a conversation, an honest conversation that where you have one person helping somebody else improve. Uh, and that's what we should be targeting as individuals, whether it's formal, and, and there are some wonderful coaching structures out there, whether it's just that nature of relationship with our peers and with our managers. You give me so much to think about um, and it makes so much sense to me. I hope it does to people listening as well. Just um, you mentioned obviously working from home a bit, didn't you? Just touch on that. You know, presumably this has been made much worse by either us having to work from home or hybrid working. We're just not just not seeing people in the same way. And we know that human contact or I know is really important. Yeah, I mean, I think like like many things, this has been a 
a problem. It's a, 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 a kind of systemic problem in terms of how we think about managing people for tens of years. It, it's not new, but like many things, it, uh, you know, some of the challenges that are associated with it have accelerated they, in, that, in that small gap at the beginning of the pandemic in that kind of three month window where we went through 10 years worth of change in one go. It was all unplanned, unmanaged change. The focus on performance is something that has or, or the challenges of performance is something that's accelerated significantly. And to your point, it's much more difficult to give and receive feedback when we're all working virtually because we can't see each other. We're not there as much as we'd like to be. It's far more difficult to create meaningful interaction when we're working remotely. And I don't think many organizations have really fixed hybrid working yet. You know, we're still, we're now kind of going back and starting the the, the whole planning, the whole change management process that we never went through two years ago. And, and performance is something that I think, personally is we were never very good at anyway and and where the, the the fact that we haven't been able to change manage any of this means we're even worse at it now i feel for people joining organizations at the moment who's a little bit you know like me walking into my first job with expectations of oh i'm going to get some help i'm going to be able to develop and improve and actually the only interactions they've got are through a computer screen i think that's really tough I think you're absolutely right. And I remember very fondly, and I talk about it often, when I went started my first job as a reporter, um, someone completely out of the goodness of their heart, the news editor, took me under his wing, mentored me, spent, I mean, so, you know, I wouldn't be here now talking to you if it wasn't for him sitting next to me, spending his time when he could have been doing something else, helping me and guiding me. So it's so important, isn't it? Um, tell me, I mean, I know what, I'm kind of guessing what you're going to say here, but how important um, performance management is and it's linked to productivity. Because presumably, if you get this right, things might just get better for your company. Yeah, well, so if you think about what is productivity, and in particular, what, what does productivity growth mean? And bearing in mind that we've been, uh, I say we, UK PLC has been pretty awful at driving productivity growth um, recently. But if you think about what is productivity, productivity effectively means that we are able to do more things in the same period of time. We're able to build more widgets. And if you think about the link to, to bring the sporting analogy back, the, the difference between running a nine minute mile and an eight minute mile effectively is productivity. It's the same. Also massive. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to get to, possible to get to. We know how to get to it. But actually what that means is that if you go out running for half an hour, having developed and improved your performance, the same period of time you run further. Mm. And ultimately your performance at work should be looked at the same way. Actually, it, by improving and developing your performance you're capable of achieving more in the same period of time and doing that in it, it comes from it's not easy it's not easy in the sporting sense it's not easy at work either but ultimately this should be the aim of our of our leadership communities the aim of our organizations is to figure out well, how do we become more productive particularly in a recessionary environment so the link is absolutely absolutely stark and absolutely critical for you know for businesses right now i didn't think this conversation would lead to me being a better runner but i think it might which is just not what i was expecting um let's talk about uh can better performance management help organizations fix problems like for example unengaged workforces unproductive departments you've sort of semi-answered some of that haven't you 
Well, yeah, and, and, and look, I believe performance management, even when I say the words performance management, because because as organisations and individuals, we're so used to being subjected to and dragged through such a terrible process. It doesn't matter who you sit down with, you sit down with a group of employees, group of managers, group of leaders, they will all feel the same way that you and I have talked about how we feel today. We've forgotten just how important performance at work really is. So fundamentally, I believe it's a critical part of our well-being. Everybody wants to be able to perform better. Everybody wants to be doing a good job. Ultimately, the aim of us, of our people management approaches should be to help everybody improve because actually it's that improvement that drives productivity, right? So it's, and and by the way, we're so used to rating people or thinking about performance by thinking about how people are performing right now. And the idea that somebody is performing better right now than somebody else is kind of classic way of thinking. But actually what's important is who in the organization is performing better than they were. That's what's important. So and, but fundamentally, this goes back to the very heart of what makes people well. If we see a route to, to getting better, and I'll bring the sporting analogy back, if, you, if you're running every day and you're getting slower, you're not going to feel good about that. You're not going to feel engaged by this activity anymore. You're not going to feel happy about it. You're not, probably not going to want to do it anymore. Um, it will certainly be harder to bring that motivation. So if we haven't got this essence in our businesses, what impact does that have on how our people feel. And I think it's, we're so used to this, this idea that performance management is a dull, uh, uninspiring activity that we've forgotten how, frankly, important it is to our well-being and, and therefore the engagement of our people. I'm really interested in what you said about it not being a top performer. It's about who's doing better than they were or who's, it's very, that's absolutely, um, you know, that brings so much insight, doesn't it? Because then you, ju- you would judge people in a totally different way. Your Nick's in a completely different position than he was last year, or he's much more engaged, or whatever. Yeah, so you're, you know, you've you've mentioned you're about to um, embark on on running a marathon. Let's imagine you have three marathon runners, and one is started running three months ago, doesn't have a background in in running, but is starting the London Marathon. You've got another one who perhaps been you know hobbyist runner for a number of years, but has never really had the time to to commit to it. And then you've got one who's an ex professional who's been running all their all their life right they're all going to finish at different times but the question then is but who performed the best mm. it, it's it's relative to their starting point it's not we are we are so used to thinking about people in terms of well who's producing the most output now it, we should be thinking about how do we help everybody in the organization improve better because that's where productivity growth comes from i'm loving the sporting analogies um tell me how do you get you know you're obviously really passionate about this do you think there's a need for culture change and how do you get you know leaders managers etc to actually think right okay we need to do something completely different here to get on board with this i think for, yes absolutely there's a need for culture change um and it's the thing that has frankly obsessed me for far too long in my career it's for me it's as simple as sitting down with leaders and saying Hi, guys, please put your hand up if you enjoy our our current approach to performance management and you will have no hands put up. It's as simple as trying to just break down this barrier and ask ourselves the question of why do we actually engage in this process at the corporate level? Normally, the answer when you really break it down is because, um, the you know, most businesses want to operate a pay for performance model. So they want to they want to be able to to drive a, um, a pay or bonus process. And that's why we persist 
with this ritual. I'll keep calling it a ritual because mm. actually fundamentally everybody knows this isn't working and everybody in the business, your, your leaders, uh, your, your, your managers, your employees know that, that this isn't, this isn't a great way of doing it. So it, it, it is about cultural change. It needs to be driven from just an understanding of, of where performance really comes from, what it means. And actually once you've broken down that, that barrier, you can you can trigger that that change, uh, and, and actually I think I think I think it's, there's a great opportunity for many organisations right now. Now's a great time to be thinking about this, going into a difficult market. It feels like a big scary change, but actually often it's some quite low hanging fruit. It's like actually we're saying, hey everyone, we're going to stop doing the thing that we hate, everyone hates doing, drives no value, and instead we're going to educate you actually on how to get, you know, on, on how to develop yourself. And to be, you know, brutal about it, um, you know, that whole tick box, whatever you call it, ritual, uh, as you said, costs money. Actually, this might not cost as much money in some ways either. It'd be just a little bit of concentration about how to properly do it. If you do it correctly, what you can stop doing is creating, you know, a pile of work for a pile of people. And, and generally, if you get into the heart of these processes, what you'll find is, you, is you'll find a, an HR team who are, trying to drive this process because they've been told to they're driving the adoption they're chasing people left right and center they're measuring who's who is you know who has done this who hasn't so that's quite a lot of payroll then you've got this the forced exercise you have managers who then need to carve out specific elements of time to do something that, that they don't necessarily see the value of so if you add that up that's a huge cost but really what we're trying to do is take the responsibility away from the engine so the managers and the hr team and instead empower people to to understand how they can do the you know they can um, develop and improve their performance and, and when you do this i guarantee you people will want to do this they will want to go, okay actually if you help me you know perhaps you give me a tool to help me give and receive feedback people will want to use it if if you give people some some boundaries and some knowledge on how to set goals and the importance and people will do it but you take the, the the time and the cost out of the exercise. I think it was important there what you said about boundaries as well, because you don't need it to be a sort of free for all. By the way, I thought that way you did that was terrible. Or you know, they, it ha- it has to be within some boundaries, doesn't it? I suppose. Well, you, you have to educate people that the purpose of this exercise is to help each other perform better. Yeah. Okay. So um, you mentioned obviously, you know, the economic winds are as cold as it is today. Um, so it's, it's really important, isn't it, to try and get this right for businesses to have, you know, be able to get through the next, what it, we don't know how long it will be, do we? I think, yeah, no, well, no, indeed we don't. And I think one of the things I imagine is, is keeping leadership teams up at the moment is, is, well, you know, how do we become more productive? Hiring becomes more difficult from a, a you know, a budgetary sense. Uh-huh. Retaining people is still particularly difficult in this market. So the focus has to be on productivity. And as I said earlier, we, we, we have not been good at driving productivity growth. And for me, this is an opportunity, thinking about how we, how we educate people on performances. And it's an opportunity that what better time to take than the time where actually economically other options are very difficult. So I, I'm absolutely fascinated talking to you. So what do you think uh, the main takeaway should be um, for people, you know, do, you know, listening to this and and leaders as well what's the one thing they need to take away i think the one thing or the one message i would like to give everybody who who is who has been through or is suffering these processes right now i would like to take away the message of actually 
a performance doesn't need to feel like this. We all deserve better. We all deserve um, uh, an opportunity to to improve and develop ourselves. Stop, reflect for a minute. Think if you're about to, you know, we're sort of coming to the end of the year. If you're about to enter into that process, stop, reflect, ask yourself the question, is this valuable to me? Start to think about if if it's not something that's available for you at work. If you if you have if if there's a process that you have to go through, if it's you, then you know uh, you, you have to go through. But start to think on a personal level. It is as simple as as good quality goal setting, getting um, getting access to feedback and coaching. Where can you find that from in your in your work life? How can you take your the things that we all do every day outside of work and bring them into work? Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, I hope that people have enjoyed um, this podcast. I've really learned a lot from it. Um, and I can't go without asking you, I can't believe I'm gonna do this. What was your time for the London Marathon? Oh, it wasn't very, it, it wasn't great. I snuck in at, uh, under four hours, but it, it, brilliant. it, and it, it was a, it was a great day. Oh, but you know what? And I want to end the podcast like that because I think, because I do a lot of sport and people may be aware of that. Um, I do a lot of sort of endurance sport for me, actually, it's not all about the goal, is it? If you've had a great day. It, it's not all about the result. If you don't enjoy the journey. What's the point? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. The, the, the beautiful thing about running a marathon is, is um, the, you know, the journey to get there. The hardest thing is getting on the start line. The result, there are a bunch of things that influence that. Oh, yeah, that's a really, it's been, I've been thinking about this podcast and I'm thinking, yeah, it's not, you're right. It's not the goal. It's the result. The goals are good. And for me, you're right. Some of my best runs have not been on the actual race day. They're on the other days, like days to day where it's beautifully and sunny and autumnal. Absolutely fascinating. Nick, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you, Louise.